What's up, NBA fans? We're here again with another season preview before we head into the 2021-2022 NBA season. This week episode, we're breaking down the Northwest Division, home of the Utah Jazz, the the former MVP, Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, the Blazers, Timberwolves, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll preview all these teams and more, but... Before jumping on the podcast, Sean and I had a silly laugh that a fan somewhere out there found that Luca is registered as a player in an old game, NBA 2K17, with a rating <laughs> of 59. Was it 59 or was it 49? I think it was 49. 49 F across <laughs> the board, except for peri- <laughs> perimeter defense where he had a solid C. Um, what a discovery. <laughs> I wish I would have found that first to made that to have made that a trivia question for you, Sean. Or maybe I wish you wouldn't have told. Oh me. <laughs> yeah, I should have done that for you. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I think that's probably the greatest ascension we've ever seen in a 2K rating, going from a 49, and then I think what what is that? Five years later, five games later, going to a 96. I th- I believe is his rating for NBA 2K22. Uh, which is just absurd <laughs> and it goes to show that they do not do any research <laughs> into any of these international teams they must have some set amount where they're just like okay here's the height and weight of these players on this team let's randomly generate mm-hmm. a score between 45 and 65 <laughs> and then we'll give them that because all the international teams obviously have terrible players right yeah um yeah, the stigma of the, of the international game. They're getting no love. I don't, and I don't know. Maybe they've improved the international ratings in more recent two Ks. But if they haven't, that's definitely something they can work on for for future games. Yeah, but to confirm, Luca's rating is ninety four, not quite ninety six. Ninety four, but still an ascension unheard of, and it's <laughs> crazy that he was in an NBA two K that long ago, and that a fan. Ended up digging that out. I'm not sure who still pops in <laughs> NBA 2K17 just yeah. to play for fun th- these years. They must have been holding on to that yeah, for a while. Is that even like what what like what Xbox or what PlayStation was 2K17 even on? Was that like the PS3? Are we two generations behind at that point, or was I, I maybe it was, I think the PS4 was out at that time? I, so maybe it was only one generation behind. But <laughs> I'm not actually sure. Let me. I so PlayStation Four, yeah, there was a PlayStation okay. Four, Xbox One, Xbox Three Sixty. Okay, so that's not that crazy. Yeah, they're, they're they're just holding on to the old copy. They're probably one of those guys that are just like it's the same game every year. Yeah. Why would I get the newest one? <laughs> yeah, really, really. I get that. I get that. Yeah, really holding on to it. But um, let's jump in. Quick thoughts before we jump into the Northwest Division preview. Um, the Lakers overall age keeps bumping up and <laughs> there Rob Palenka is going out there and he's being aggressive. But before Rob Palenka has his chance to dip into DeAndre Jordan first, let's talk about the trade. To, that's I guess we're talking a little prematurely here. We'll roll roads point that the Lakers are going to resign are going to sign DeAndre Jordan. Mm-hmm. But the trade that's setting that up is Brooklyn is trading DeAndre Jordan four second round picks. Uh, and $5.78 million in cash to Detroit for uh, Jahil Okafor and Suku. Uh, you, you, I, th- I think you are the master <laughs> yeah. of name pronunciations, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, to my, the best of mine, I'll just Seku Dumboya. Yeah. The, yeah, and Jahil Okafor. Yeah. <laughs> I think for a while you kind of forget that Jahil, Okaf- Jahil Okafor is still uh, on, on. Still hanging yeah, around. Yeah, still hanging in the NBA. Uh, but DeAndre Jordan is all but expected to be waived by Detroit and sign a one-year minimum deal with the Lakers, which I, as a Laker fan, am not super excited about this. I don't know why we need another older center on the roster <laughs> uh, next to Dwight Howard and Marcus Saul. He doesn't really add anything, I, I think, except just being another bigger body. But for Brooklyn to have given up four second-round picks and cash to get rid of him, I think kind of tells what kind of shape DeAndre Jordan is in terms of like actually impacting the team positively, positively at this point. Yeah, it's it's very odd. I mean, obviously this was a salary mm-hmm. dumping move 
I'm sure this saves them a lot of salary cap space. But yeah, to give up four second round picks, I mean, that's a lot of picks in there. Right. And I, I know there's not a lot of value in second round picks, but hey, Nikola Djokic was a second round pick. So, and that's four chances at him. So, I mean, that's a lot to give up just to, to get this guy's salary off the books. And for the Lakers, I mean, the reason you bring him in is he, he was an inside agent <laughs> on the Nets. Right. He can he can tell you some of their plays, although I'm not entirely sure if Steve Nash had plays that he ran. <laughs> but if he did, maybe DeAndre Jordan could help him out on that front. Um, uh, other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I don't really see how DeAndre Jordan helps this team as far as on the court. Uh, I feel like Dwight Howard can do everything that DeAndre Jordan could do. I don't really see why you'd need to bring in another guy right. with similar skill set. So. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they just wanted to increase their average age. They wanted to be the oldest team in the history of the NBA. Yeah, it's interesting because DeAndre Jordan, I thought, was that guy that everybody on that Nets roster loved. I thought that was the contingency for bringing Dean right, Durant yeah. and Irving on board. And now they trade away their their buddy in DeAndre Jordan. And, man, this Laker team looks fantastic if you're, you know, if you're – if you're looking at it from the lens of 2016 and 2015, 2014, <laughs> but now there's a lot of question marks here around the age, but Jandre Jordan, perhaps just another um, body to potentially throw out there when Dwight Howard gets ejected and Marcus all is in foul trouble <laughs> or something. Um, yeah. I and mean, they just, they got depth, right? Like he could just sit at the end of the bench and yeah, wait for something like that to happen. And then you put him in and you don't really miss a beat. Yeah. And anyways, on the Nets side, their their game, though, is LaMarcus Aldridge is returning to the Nets after being med- medically cleared from his car concerns of last year. Um, I don't know. I feel like last year when there was a buyout, I was like pretty like, oh, what the heck? Like the NBA has got to come down and do something about these buyouts and stuff. But <laughs> I'm not really that excited about this. It seems kind of just more like, eh, that's that's nice. But it's not I don't see there being yeah. a big impact here yeah i don't really either i mean i i'm happy for him i mean it seemed concerning for a little while with Mm -hmm. what was going on with with his heart and you know just abruptly retiring out of nowhere and he was seemed like he was playing pretty well before he decided to retire but now he gets a second chance here and and I, i just hope that you know he's able to be at least a decent player again and who knows what type of role he'll really have on this team. Maybe he'll still be concerned about playing too hard or playing too many minutes. So maybe he'll just be an off the bench guy, like 15 minutes a game um, just to play it safe. But yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's like kind of exciting news, but also like we could have thrown this in the big deal or forgetful (laughs) section for sure, because it's like at this point, it's like, I'm happy for him, but also whatever, you know, (laughs) like it's, it's whatever. Yeah. 36 years old, LaMarcus Aldridge heading into, oh my gosh, I'm not even sure what season at this point would be. Yeah. It's been a lot. Start his career in 2006. I mean, last year averaged 12 points, 50% shooting, which is sort of decent, but I got to think he'll continue to take step steps back and probably no big deal here. I think this Nets team is already loaded in other ways. And not yeah. and because of Lamarcus Aldridge, <laughs> and just like the Lakers, just just shoring up that depth, right? They're just they're gearing up for each mm-hmm. other. It's the arms race. Um, mm-hmm. Big dealer, forgetful. Uh, Memphis making a trade here for Hancha Hernan Gomez to Boston for Carson Edwards, Chris Dunn in a 2026 pick swap. Uh, Chris Dunn continues his journey across the NBA. <laughs> man, this guy just cannot find man. a home at this point. <laughs> yeah, him and Patrick Beverly need to form some sort of support group for each other because they I mean honestly with Juancho Hernan Gomez too because he was on the Wolves got traded to Memphis and now he's on his way to Boston mm-hmm. that's three teams in one offseason for him so yeah they, we need to form some sort of support group for these guys because they must have a nightmare moving all their stuff everywhere yeah exactly <laughs> Though I do think Chris Dunn may find a place in Memphis. Memphis just seems to be that place that kind of, that is just in need of random guards to throw out there. <laughs> Are they, though? They have John Morant. They have DeAnthony Melton. They have Desmond Bain. 
Chris Dunn, I think, is like the fourth best <laughs> point guard on this team. Yeah, I just feel like this franchise outside of Jamal, obviously, um, yeah, Jamal Murray, John Moran, John Moran. They've just been rotating through random guards. And yeah, and some of these guys have been hits. Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, you mentioned. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe Chris Dunn can get, carve himself some bit of time, some some minutes for himself there. Yeah, maybe. It's just, yeah, I don't, I don't understand what Memphis's off-season plans yeah. have been. Like all the moves they've made have seemed so random, and they haven't really helped themselves at all. Yeah, like he gave up Jonas Valanciunas, who's like one of your best players, for a lesser center in Stephen Adams. You trade Eric Bledsoe to the Clippers for guys you just trade and dump. And then you make that trade with Memphis, and then you give up the guy that you got from them for these other random players. It's like what, like what is this? I don't even understand how this benefits them that much. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, when I look up the Mem- Memphis, like their site on SB Nation, the first <laughs> the first article they have on there is what is the likelihood Chris Dunn and Carson Edwards stay on the roster on opening night. <laughs> <laughs> So they yeah, they they'll get traded again. It's like I don't even know like they're not even acquiring assets, you know? Like they're just getting these random players. I wouldn't even call a 2026 pick swap an asset. Yeah. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in 5 years. So, yeah, it's like <laughs> I don't, I don't really understand the point of any of these moves, so very forgetful for me. Yeah, I think so. I think so as well and I mean, Chris just is one of those names I think we've now seen we see all the time just because he's always getting moved. So yeah. I hope he's always just like there. Um, next yeah. one, Stanley Johnson <laughs> and Elise Johnson sign with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, your boy Stanley Johnson continues to stay in the Stanley league. Stanley Johnson, he's, he's, a.k.a. the worst player. <laughs> yeah. He continues to stay in the league, and he reminds me a lot of, wow, I'm forgetting his name, the guy on the Phoenix Suns. The dancer, uh, Chris Paul, Cameron Payne, the dancer, Cameron Payne, Cameron Payne, Cameron Payne's a dancer, Cameron Payne, yeah, the dude that used to dance with uh, Russell Westbrook. He danced. Like, are you talking about? Is this like dancing a, a literal <laughs> yeah. sense or a metaphorical? Yeah, dancing sense? as he would come as he would. Uh, oh, like their secret, yeah, their little handshake. dance that they had, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did not remember that. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. I would way rather have campaign than Stanley Johnson. By the way, campaign played really well for the Suns last year. Yeah, I, yeah, he did. I think I, I, I mean that in the sense that I feel like Stanley Johnson campaign sort of just were always on rosters, but never really quite impactful, and they kind of floated yeah. around. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. They just have some similarities, I think, in that journey. But signing with the Bulls, <laughs> I think this is pretty forgetful. Neither of these two guys, I think, are really gonna make any impact on this team. Yeah. Yeah, I will say a lot of people were pretty hyped about Elise Johnson's potential when he was on the Nets. I remember there was one game where he filled in as the starter, and he had like a 20-20, like 20 points, 20 rebounds game. So he has some pop-off potential. Ultimately, we're not expecting much from either of these guys. So I mean, they wouldn't have made it this long in the offseason if they had more potential, but... Yeah, I mean, the Bulls, I mean, we talked about, it, like, they don't really have, like, a full lineup right now. Like, they have, like, just Caruso and, like, Kobe White on their bench, so they just needed some guys to fill it mm-hmm. out. Yeah, and this is the, these are their guys, so see what happens there with the Bulls. Uh, this one is kind of kind of maybe a big deal. TJ Warren is still mm-hmm. out indefinitely with the stress fracture that he had on his foot because it doesn't appear to have healed completely yet. Uh, we had just we covered the Pacers last week in terms of their season preview. One of the big things was health. Um, they've had mm-hmm. essentially all their key pieces just out: Miles Turner, T.J. Warren, um, Carice Levert, Malcolm Brogdon a little bit, and Sabonis being the the key pillar. But T.J. Warren is yeah. again a guy who averaged twenty points on forty percent shooting from three just almost a year ago, a little bit over a year ago now. So. Not having him yeah. start the year is already putting you guys is already putting this team back into a bad spot. So I'm going to say big deal for this fan base and big deal for for the optimism of this franchise. At least heading into what was supposed to be a more optimistic year for them. Oh, for sure. I mean, 
it's just it's this the first domino man i this is who knows when he's going to come back yeah. i mean he definitely at this point i would completely rule out that he'll be ready for the start of the season mm-hmm. and i would even go as far to say that he probably won't be ready until the all-star break yeah uh, i mean if, if we're talking like this like still indefinitely not like two months three months it's this could be a long time this could be we could be looking at like a jaron jackson type of situation for tj warren and man it's crazy he's gonna miss two whole seasons almost yeah which that's that's such a crazy long i mean a stress fracture is a pretty serious injury but you see guys with like acl tears and and ligament tears and they they come back after a year like achilles tendon tear even like they come back after a year so the fact that he's still gonna take time after the stress fracture for like a whole nother maybe like six months that is crazy like that is a serious injury like that's a terrible that's a really bad stress fracture yeah and it um so i'm honestly i'm worried about his career mm-hmm. at this point like if we're talking about a, a, a injury that's taking you out almost two whole seasons that's unheard of right especially for a guy who just had his best year and at this point he yeah he it might be costing him a big a big payday as he gets closer to the end of his current contract so oh man he's got two years left this would be essentially his last year on his contract so mm-hmm. Yeah, he he if he he I'm sure he's hope, he was hoping for a big one, which there's still yeah, time. Gonna, just depends, you know, just the chances get a yeah, little tougher. Just, there's just no way he gets that big contract anymore, not with the the injury history at this mm-hmm. point. But uh, yeah, real really feel for the guy, feel for the Pacers because they have been waiting for this guy to come back and they feel like they have a good team as long as all the pieces are there, but yeah, wow, uh, thoughts with him, man. That's that's rough. Yeah. At 27 years old, too, TJ Warren is right there in the middle of his prime. So I'm sure mm-hmm. he's trying to get out there as quick Ugh. as he can. Um, Northwest Division preview. We got to start with a team that I've, oh, I always voluntarily take these guys <laughs> because yeah. I have been a big jazz believer for a long time, but I'm not so sure I am anymore. Um, and this year, I, I hand hmm. off the, se- the season preview duties of the for the utah jazz over to you sean to break down what, wow. what they're doing this year i'm so honored <laughs> and i i <laughs> it's funny because you gave me the jazz and the blazers and i'm pretty sure those two teams had like the two most boring off seasons <laughs> that were of like all the teams in this division maybe the nuggets aren't that interesting either but like man i i went through this jazz stuff i'm like there's nothing different. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same damn team. You added a few little extra bench players. You took away a few others. Nothing else changed. Uh, I'll go through them. I, I, for my, I did the research, so I feel I'd feel in debt if I didn't go through them. So they added Hassan Whiteside, who I mean I don't think he's a very big fan favorite of a lot of a lot of franchises at this point. Eric Paschal, who was an ex Warrior, and then Rudy Gay, who's a decent piece, but he's pretty old at this mm-hmm. point too um and then departures Derek favors ursania sova and gorgin yang and then they drafted baylor guard jared butler in the second round uh taking a flyer on him he had a lot of health concerns going into the draft tanked a lot he was he's by some seen as a first round talent um they get him there earlier in the second round so maybe he'll crack the rotation maybe not um and then they re-signed mike conley to to a good deal so, as far as the lineup, it's exactly the same. You got Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, Bojan Bogdanovich, and, and Rudy Gobert. There's your center. And So, the only <laughs> X factor I could find on this team, Alan, and, I mean, maybe there's not an X factor at all, honestly, but uh, the, the only dynamic player that I think has any upside <laughs> is Jordan Clarkson. And I mean, reigning six man of the year had had a career year for himself, honestly. But something that he was lacking in last year that I think he could improve on was that he only shot 42% from the field on the year, which was actually the worst of his career. So I think if Jordan Clarkson can get some more efficient numbers and be a little more of a dynamic score for this team, which I mean, he's already proven he can do that, but if he can do that at a higher level then I think that could really be that extra bump this team needs because they're really not that far off from what they need to do to be a title contender. 
Yeah, I think for them it should have been a matter of trying to get fill in their weaknesses that it, that got exposed against that Clipper team. And that's essentially that they don't have a small ball lineup or a lineup that could counter yeah. the the small ones, the Re- Reggie Jacksons, the Nicholas Batums of the world that were <laughs> dropped on them from the Clippers. And I think they hope Rudy Gobert. I mean Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gay can can help in that department, but you know, I'm not sure he could. That's a fat chance. Yeah, maybe though. I mean Rudy Gay is still a decent player, but I I just don't see him as a difference maker. Hassan mm-hmm. White is Whiteside is certainly not a difference maker, and Eric Paschal is like the closest to like a replacement player that you could <laughs> possibly add to a team. So. I mean, the the team is basically the same as last year. I don't think they've improved. I don't think they've gotten worse. Uh, but I think the main storyline to follow this year, I mean, we're we're going to most likely get a Lakers-Nets finals. I mean, let's be real. Yeah. If the Jazz can pull it off, it's amazing. But if they can't make a deep playoff run again, like if they get bounced in the second round again, at what point is this, is this the final straw this season? Like, do they... Do they blow up the core? Do they try to just trade Rudy Gobert finally? I mean, we've been talking about it for a couple of years now. Would this be the season where they finally try to blow the team up and realize it's not going to work? I don't think so. I mean, if anything, maybe Mike Conley, you try to see what you can swap Mike Conley for. I just don't see them really giving up on a Gobert-Mitchell duo that, that quickly. But we've uh, seen Gobert is the playoff liability. Like we just like the small ball lineup, he cannot hang. Yeah, more than anything, I think the Jazz will start looking at Quinn Snyder's coaching staff way more Ooh, glaring, and yeah. I think that's who is really playing for his I, job. I feel like Quinn Snyder's a really good coach, though. Yeah, he's playing well with the pieces that he has. I mean, you got a guy like. Freaking Joe Ingles on this team <laughs> contributing, and Royce O'Neal. Like these are guys that like are nobodies. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't blame Quinn Snyder, but I wouldn't be surprised if you're if you're right on about that. They just blame the coaching staff. Yeah, I think in terms of trading Rudy, you still Rudy Gobert is still 28 years old, and you you have that big contract that you signed him to. Which I think if you're if you're looking to move him, you've lost leverage and teams are going to know that you're yeah. you're willing to take less. So he signed all the way till 2025. I got to think they're going to give the Mitchell Rudy Gobert duo at least a couple more years at it. Mm-hmm. And then and then I think they'll look they'll look to reevaluate in terms of trading him and seeing what they can get for him, but I think more than anything it's Quinn Snyder that's the more uh movable piece here and potentially hmm. Mike Conley uh, I know they just re-signed him, but I think his deal is is well enough to where it can be moved with a couple picks for another player a couple years, uh, maybe next year or next summer if if they do feel like they need a drastic change in direction. Yeah, I, yeah, I I do think something will happen with the Jazz. Like they won't be able to have another boring off season mm-hmm. next season if they don't if they don't make the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean this is a team that's super geared for that and. I think part of them are also probably. I think part of this team is probably also banking on the ch- chance that if you give me a healthy Donovan Mitchell, we should be able to beat at least almost anybody to to get to the Western Conference Finals. I gotta think they're still mm. they're still hanging their heads on that, and sure. that being I mean, a reason yeah, why they Mitchell lost Clippers. Imp- yeah, and he could improve. Like it, it's hard to see where he'll really make a big leap in his game, but I mean, if he becomes a thirty point a game scorer, then sure. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I'll, I'll give the Jazz as good a chance as any, but uh, yeah, I just don't see it. I, I feel like we've we're seeing peak Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he he's shown that he can ball out in the playoffs, and he's done so much for this team. I I just don't really see where else you can go from there. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of getting him healthy, getting Conley healthy, getting yourself into a good series, and 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 holding on for dear life that those guys stay healthy through the whole time and i think they're banking on that shot but you know we'll see we'll see where it goes from from there for them but mm-hmm. moving on to denver the denver nuggets um a team that you know has just been as consistent a piece in the western conference as ever they finished in the third seed second seed and third seed again last year even though they lost Jamal Murray their second best player and obviously like 
electric point guard who we were hoping was going to develop a, a serious rivalry against Donovan Mitchell. We were going to see these two guys go at it, but we didn't see that last year. We saw it in the in the bubble, and that definitely blew our minds. But in terms of this year, they're gonna they're gonna have to move forward without Jamal Murray as 12 months is still that typical recovery time for his ACL tear. And because of the timing of when he tore it, he's likely going to miss almost the entire season. And at best, I think we're going to see him back slightly before the playoffs. So that's a big point here to just bring forth for, for the Dem- for the Denver Nuggets in terms of their next year. But in terms of everything else, they added Jeff Green, Bones Highland, um, they lost JaVel McGee. Bones Highland? <laughs> I don't know. Who is that? I don't know his who name Bones is Highland Bones? Is. Holy crap. We can look That's up his muscular reference later. Who but is I'm this gonna, man? I'm going to say he's really not a big piece. But they re-signed Will Barton two years. <laughs> I'm not going to assume that. His name is Bones, man. That's terrifying. <laughs> Will Barton had two years and $30 million. Uh, Jamichael Green, two years, $16 million. And they bring back Austin Rivers. So in terms of free agency moves to improve the roster, nothing was really made here. But I think for the Denver Nuggets, their argument is that their big acquisition came in the form of Aaron Gordon in that mid mid year te- mid year trade, which you know benefited yeah. them in some ways. But I don't think they really got a chance to to see this full roster come out in fruition in the playoffs. As you know, they had Will Barton now, Monty Morris out. Uh, Jamal Murray obviously was also out and uh, and they just never really, I think, um, really got a chance to put all those pieces together at the same time. So I think banking on a shot with a full training camp and getting Will Bard and getting a new deal under him um, and bringing bringing on Jeff Green and Jermichael Green could give this team a bit a bit more of a punch uh, heading into this into this into this uh regular season but in terms of x factor i mean jamal murray i guess if you mm. if you want to cross your fingers and hope he comes back earlier but really more realistically it's michael porter jr uh yeah hands down i mean you got the mvp in Jokic, but if this team is going to go from tier two tier three to a tier one uh contender back to like their old days when they had jamal murray back it's gonna it's gonna hang on michael porter jr i mean he improved Across the board from one year to the next, 19 points last year, seven rebounds, one assist, uh, field goal shooting 54%, uh, three-point shooting at almost 45%. And in the playoffs, those numbers did not take a hit either. Um, so you got a real star, Michael Porter Jr. Now it's, a, now it's a matter of like how good can he really be? And, you know, is it realistic that he can actually improve, take another leap? I mean, the opportunity will for sure be there. So it's a matter of like what, what we're going to get from Michael Porter Jr. This coming year. And outside of that, if Michael Porter Jr. Doesn't have another insane year, then I think either way, this team is still trending the same. I think I got them at four. I'm banking them at 46 wins. So hovering around the fourth and fifth seed Hmm. in the Western conference. Um, In terms of storyline to follow, if there's one weakness this team has without Jamal Murray, it's that guard rotation that they have. And they're bringing all the boys back. Monty Morris, mm-hmm. uh, Fernando Campasso, Austin Rivers, uh, Doys is all Dozier. Yeah. All those guys are, are coming back. And none of these guys are playmakers. And if one of them does end up becoming a fantastic playmaker when none of them have shown signs that they are, uh, then I think it's safe to say that Jokic will be in contention for back-to-back MVP hmm. with some insane assist numbers and, again, some insane playmaking for for the from the center position uh coming from Jokic so that's the I think the storyline to follow there with the Denver Nuggets yeah I think you nailed it I mean we know without Jamal Murray this is a totally different team and we've seen it can function because Jokic is such an amazing player and the entire offense is going to run through him obviously I think you're spot on with MPJ being that difference maker I mean, this this is the opportunity you dream of if you're a guy like Michael Porter because when you come into the league, you have a lot of question marks in everything but talent. No one questions your talent. You should have been a top three pick if 
your back wasn't the issue. Right. Um, we saw it even still be an issue. He had he had back soreness in the playoffs uh, when it mattered most, and a lot of that could be contributed by the extra minutes that he received after Jamal Murray went out and mm-hmm. the extra load that he had to bear. And it's like, if you can't rely on Michael Porter Jr. to handle 30, 35 minutes a game, that's it's going to be really tough to get to that next level, to hit that next tier. And, and we've clearly seen he's capable of it. I and mean, the three-point shooting is incredible. Um, his rebounding is, is amazing. His, his shooting altogether is fantastic for a guy's second year in his in the league but if you if you can't be relied on night in night out i mean we're looking at a joel Embiid situation um where it's like you got to stay healthy if you want to get that big max contract and you want to prove that you're a superstar in this league you got to be out there on the court and i'm just i'm not convinced yet that he is is, is in the place where his body is fully healthy um, and so that's going to be really tough for the Nuggets, who, I mean, they still have a very good team overall, which is why I think part of the reason why they re-signed Will Barton to this big deal is because you can't trust Michael Porter Jr. to be there all the time. You need someone right. to fill in there when he's hurt. And Will Barton can slide in from that two position, three position, uh, whatever they need him to do. He's he's a pretty versatile player, very good player. Um, and then, yeah, I think... Between all these guards, I, I really liked what I saw from Fasundo Composto mm-hmm. last year, especially in the playoffs, like guarding yeah, Damian Composto Lillard in that first round. He was he was a dog, man. Yeah. Like he was up for the challenge and, and obviously the uh did not rise to the occasion <laughs> in the second round and wasn't even close. Um but I mean he showed he's got some stuff on the defensive end. I think Monty Morris is a very serviceable backup point guard and and he'll have to take a step up. I don't believe in Austin Rivers at all. I think they should have just dropped him completely. I don't know why they re-signed him. <laughs> and you know, PJ Dozier's shown, shown something here and there. I think that'll be just enough for them to get through the regular season. And yeah, I just if Jamal Murray can come back for the playoffs, I mean, you gotta play him. But I just don't think that this team has title contention without Jamal Murray being there the whole year. That you just can't bring him in in the playoffs and expect him to perform at the level he needs to. The level we've seen him play, like in the bubble, like, right? Bubble Jamal Murray was insane, and we can't see that if he's just coming straight off of a twelve-month recovery. So it'll be a decent year for the Nuggets, and yeah, Jokic will have a pretty good shot at <laughs> getting that MVP with with the amount of usage he's going to get. But yeah, I just uh, I don't think it's this year for the Nuggets. They're going to have to wait for Murray to get healthy, which is why I think they gave Barton and Jamichael two-year contracts because they know they want to keep this core together for at least until through next year when Jamal Murray is back healthy and they have the full squad back. Yeah, that's a good observation. But yeah, the cap on this team is definitely five wins, four wins in the second round. That's mm-hmm. the most optimistic uh, scenario yeah, for them. Yeah, that would be... That, um, yeah, it's like exactly what they did this year. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, <laughs> 46 wins. That would be pretty good. Yeah, somewhere I, in the 4th like or 5th Yeah, that's reasonable. I mean, yeah, they've always been a great regular season team. But, yeah, without Murray, yeah, I don't I don't think they'll they'll be as good. So, honestly, trending down a little bit, if, if we're being honest. That's right. They did end up, I guess, same as in, like, the team that they were in the playoffs. But, yeah, it's trending down when you're comparing regular season um to regular season uh cool so blazers yeah moving on to the portland trailblazers slightly more interesting offseason than than the jazz but not not by much if we're being completely honest they did really remake their whole bench unit Mm -hmm. they kept all their starters and the bench is completely different so the big one for them is, is larry nance jr Larry Nance Jr. coming in from that Cavaliers three-way trade. And I think he's a very good addition for them. They also got Cody Zeller, um, often forgotten point guard, Dennis Smith Jr., <laughs> Tony Snell, uh, Ben McElmore, and Marquise Chris making making another appearance on a different team. So we'll see what he can do, if anything. And then for departures, and Carmelo Anthony on the Lakers, obviously. You got Zach Collins, who can never get healthy. Harry Giles, Derek Jones Jr., 
Uh, Ennis Cantor, unfortunately, leaves Portland, the best the best place he can ever play. Yep. And uh, Rondé Hall. Yeah, I know. It's it's a bummer. <laughs> I, he went back to Boston, so at least like he's in a familiar place. But yeah, Portland is that's his spot, man. Like that's where you get numbers if you're Cantor. <laughs> so expect expect nothing from Cantor this year because he's not on Portland. And then Rondé Hollis Jefferson. And then they drafted a guy named Greg Brown the third in the second round. I don't even know if he'll be on contract, but there you go. And then as far as resignings, Norman Powell gets the bag. Five years, $90 million for Norman Powell to stay in that starting lineup along with Dame, CJ, Covington, and Nurkic. So in run-it-back mode and... But with a, a couple additions from the bench, obviously, and, and I mean, that was really the main concern with this team is they really have had no bench. I mean, we thought Enferni Simons could be something. Mini Brandon Ingram, perhaps. That really never panned out. Um, going through random guys like, like Zach Collins just could never get healthy. Derek Jones Cantor, Jr. was never. Yeah, Derek Jones Jr., yeah. yeah. That's a talent. Yeah, I, I was one of the believe when I previewed the Blazers last year. I I spent some time talking about Derek Jones Jr. because I thought he yeah. he was in for a year, breakout year, but he might just end up being an NBA journeyman. I'm not sure. He didn't it did yeah. not show up I last guess we year. Know, yeah. We know why the Heat were so willing to give him up mm-hmm. last offseason, right? And like I, we thought he was a decent player, but he never really found a spot on this team either. And so yeah, you get a whole gaggle of guys who I don't. I'm not sure how any of them are going to contribute <laughs> to this team. I mean, Cody Zeller to back up Nurkic, sure. I mean, Cody Zeller is capable of putting up some decent backup center numbers. Um, I I really like Dennis Smith Jr. and I I hope that this guy gets the chance to be the backup point guard for this team because I feel like the talent is still there but he's just always found himself in a bad opportunity. So I'm hoping that we can see a little bit more of that rookie year, Dennis Smith Jr. on the Mavericks than we've seen in the past with New York and with uh, Detroit. Uh, I, I really still believe in this kid. I think this could be a sneaky good pick for the Blazers. They desperately need a good guard to back up Damon CJ, and I'm hoping that is Dennis Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. And, and Tony Snell, he's always a decent defender. Uh, the other ones aren't really worth mentioning, but I think the big X factor for this team is going to be Norman Powell. Uh, this this is the guy you traded for. You gave up a really young asset in Gary Trent Jr. to the Raptors because you thought this guy could outperform him by a mile, and he was doing that in Toronto, but what, he was shooting 44% from three in the first half of the season. Then when he got traded to Portland... He was only he only shot thirty six percent from three, so a huge dip in production from a guy that you you thought this is a guy that could help you get over the hump, and obviously you still think that because you gave him so much money. But if he's gonna be the missing piece, you're gonna have to get that shooting production out of him because thirty six percent ain't gonna cut it. Uh, ben Macklemore could probably shoot thirty six percent from three for you, so yeah, yeah, he's he's gonna have to take that step back to the level he was playing in Toronto, find that magic again, or else th- this is just gonna be another disappointing year. Yeah, Norman Powell is one of those guys who just caught fire at the right time in his career as he's heading towards yeah. a contract year. He's in the middle of his prime, and you know, for him personally, he gets traded to a team that maybe more willing to re-sign him than the Toronto Raptors were a team that's kind of like in the middle of not sure what they were doing. Uh, mm-hmm. But now it's like, he now he has to show up and repay the favor for the franchise. And I, I hope that he does. And hopefully it's not a matter of he was just, he just happened. The stars just happened to align last year for him in Toronto um, with the injuries, you know, the bad play from Pascal Siakam that he had all last year. Uh, guys yeah. coming in and out of the lineup in Toronto kind of maybe align the stars a little bit for Norman Powell. So if you're Blazers, you got to hope that wasn't the case and that you're actually getting a guy who is, you know, who you basically you basically won a big trade by only having to give up Gary Trent Jr. for Norman Powell. Uh, if he ends up being that 18, 18 points a game type guy or 16 to 18 points a game and can shoot around 38 to 40 percent from three, and 50% from the field. That's a huge, that's a huge boost to your lineup. So 
hopefully the Blazers can hang on to a guy like that like this. Yeah, I mean they they've got him for a long time. Yeah, so <laughs> they got they got some time to figure it out with Norman Powell, obviously. But I don't think they're going to be willing to wait the whole five years <laughs> for him to figure out his shot. He he, they're going to want him from day one to be slinging those shots at at least forty percent from three. And so overall, I'd say that this team is slightly better. I think Larry Nance Jr. is a great addition. I think that's one of the best bench players that they've had in a long time. And it allows them to play either a, a bigger lineup where you move Powell out of it and you put Covington at the three and you play Larry Nance and Nurkic as your two big guys, or you can take out Nurkic and play Larry Nance as your small ball center. So I think it, he provides a lot of versatility for this team. And for, for between him and between Dennis Smith Jr., and, and even Cody Zeller, I think those are all really good additions. It added depth to this team that they desperately needed. So, I'll, I'll, I mean, this is what we talk about with Portland every year. They make incrementally good moves to make this team slightly better every year. And so I'd say they're going slightly up. I'd say they have a good shot to be three, three seed, four seed in the West with, wow. with the way their roster is constructed. Wow. Uh, I mean, Dame, Dame gets hungrier every year, man. That's true. Like, it, this is not, this is no team that's resting on their laurels being like, I'm happy that we made the playoffs in the sixth seed last year. Like, we should be up there. And obviously, getting Norman Powell should be an upgrade for our roster. Larry Nett should be an upgrade for our roster. We should be in the top three, top four in the West as far as the regular season goes. And so, there are still rumors swirling, obviously, though. So, I think storylines to follow for this team are the blazers still in the running to pair simmons ben simmons with dame at what point are the sixers going to be fed up and what are they going to be willing to accept in a trade from from the blazers or one of these other teams i know we've heard the blazers being in a lot of these rumors for ben simmons and i don't really know if it's going to happen but if it did that would be a huge storyline to see if we got ben simmons and dame playing together Mm -hmm. but if not this team's biggest weakness, I think, is that three of their starters are under six foot four. That being Dame, CJ, and Norman Powell. And you're talking about team team you lost to in the first round last year in the Nuggets, who have <laughs> basically uh, three giants compared to these guys. In in uh, who I mean, Jokic. You got MPJ. You got Aaron Gordon. Like you guys got you got guys towering over these dudes. You expect you, who? How is Norman Powell expected to defend Michael Porter Jr.? Yeah. Like, let's be real. So I mean, you got the Lakers. The Lakers are really tall. Uh, we saw the Clippers can play a lineup of at least like six foot eight, five six foot eight guys. A lot of these guys are. I mean, they're going to be out outsized on a night to night basis in the playoffs. And so I mean, we know Norman Powell's a good defender, but is he a good defender against guys that are five inches taller than him? Yeah, uh, I think that's going to be a big what if for this team. Like, what if they're able to just get bigger guys on their team? I mean, Covington's a great defender too, but I mean, you're playing him at the four, and he's pretty undersized for that even. So that will be an obstacle for this team in the playoffs. Maybe not as much in the regular season, but I think when it comes to the playoffs, that might play a factor. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this has been a story with this team for a while. Not the size, but... I mean, in size, maybe the core, uh, a causation here for because when you look at this team, it's always got a killer offense. I mean, last year was mm-hmm. had a, was second in an offensive rating, uh, which is insane for a team that only that was bounced in the first round. And big reason yeah. for that was because they were the second second worst defensive rating team, defensive rated team last year, and a lot of that it has to do with that small lineup that they have out there, which is. I think one of the more reasons why they should shop CJ McCollum and see what they can get. And if Ben Simmons is that guy, maybe it's an awkward fit next to Damian, but I bet a guy like Damian, a guy like Ben Simmons can figure it out. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to giving up, you know, a high powered offense and make that maybe so that kill it a little slightly in order to get just a better, a more optimal defensive lineup or else I think they're just going to keep mm-hmm. getting destroyed in in the playoffs and, um, I'm not sure where Nurkic is also defensively. Like he came back and there was a lot of hype on his return, but it was slightly disappointing. I think what we saw out of him also in the playoffs against, and maybe yeah. Jokic was just too much of a, a matchup for him. But <laughs> I think Larry Nance and Cody Zeller 
may Larry Nance will definitely help a little bit there, but they probably could have benefited from getting a guy like DeAndre Jordan, maybe slightly. Oh, come on. <laughs> you're you're think DeAndre Jordan would have been any better. Just throw There's him no out way. there for ten minutes, <laughs> let him get some no. fouls, but Either way, <laughs> I I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to a crazy idea like the Blazers sh- shipping CJ McCollum and um I'm not sure who else they can give up. They even have to give up maybe Anthony <laughs> Simmons is he still on the roster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the Sixers want Anthony Simmons, go for it. <laughs> yeah, to pair up those two guys and get Simmons and and just take up a big a, take a home run swing at this thing because at this point mm-hmm. we've had this core for a long time. They're like essentially. At this point where I think the Utah Jazz might get to in two or three years, where you've now been running this goal right. for a while and your star player may be starting to get to the point where he starts dipping in terms of productivity. So swing mm-hmm. for the fences. But yeah, they're getting slightly better, but I still see them potentially getting knocked in the first round. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> slightly make- better. It's it, it's very slight. Mm-hmm. Like So yeah, as far as like championship contention, it just doesn't seem there. Yeah, I say swing for the fences and get Ben get Ben Simmons. Um <laughs> so those are the top three teams. Now we get to some of the some of the more fun ones, I guess. <laughs> the Timberwolves. I think this next one's fun. I, I I think the Wolves have a good outlook for this season. Yeah, the the Timberwolves are interesting, and I think for me the story here overall for this team is somehow they've managed uh, to get back to the point they were at three to four years ago without much happening in between those. Well, a lot of drama <laughs> happening in between those years, yeah. but not a lot of winning. And what I mean by that is three, three to three, four, three years ago, four years ago, they had the three core pieces and a lot of other young pieces around this. And they had Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Zach Levine. They had shipped out an aging star who didn't want to be there and Kevin Love, and they got back. Uh, enough to to build this 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 very optimistic looking roster where it seemed like nothing could go wrong here except you know sure. go up. Then somehow now we're at today, and a lot of these pieces have are gone. Andrew Wiggins is gone. Zach Levine is gone, and he's gone off and became a star somewhere else. Andrew Wiggins is doing his thing. They had Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is now gone. They got they basically got not much from him. So. The, the the Timberwolves have now, as a franchise, gone through almost a decade of just not really showing much for what for a lot of the losing they've done and a lot of the moves they've made. But now, potentially, maybe they can learn their lesson because they're back to that point where they have solid young roster with three core pieces, those being now Car- Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards. Um, so in terms of additions for this team, they got Pat Beverly, Tarian Prince, uh, <laughs> departures, Ricky Rubio. And interesting enough, they let go of Jarek Culver, who was a piece that they traded for. They traded Dario Saric and the draft rights to Cam Johnson for on draft night um, uh, to, to, to the Phoenix Suns in order to get Jarek Culver. And now he's gone uh, and essentially in a package deal for Pat Beverly, which... I think it's just an odd move, but hmm. it's sort of the story of the moves the Timberwolves make that sort of make your head scratch a little bit. And like, wait a minute, didn't you give up some valuable pieces to try to get that guy? And now you kind of just put him <laughs> in a throwaway deal. Anyways. You gotta cut your losses sometimes, man, right? I mean, they could have stubbornly held on to him and maybe he never cracks the rotation. That's true. So, gotta cut your losses sometimes. Yeah, and in terms of draft picks, <laughs> no lottery picks, no first rounders for the Timberwolves since they gave up that trade in order to get D'Angelo Russell. Um, no re-signings either. So Oof. we've got a really familiar team coming back next year. You got D'Angelo Russell, uh, Beasley, Anthony Edwards, uh, McDaniel's, and Towns potentially in the starting lineup. And in terms of X factor, it, it, it's really hard. It's really hard to say because I'm not sure any of these guys and either Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns or D'Angelo Russell can really make a difference. I think because this roster is just not that good, but the only X factor I think that I'm putting here is can they just ride this wave of development uh, that they had three or four years ago, but just not mess it up and just kind of ride, ride out this season, see what you got 
win more games than you did last year and see if you can put yourself in a good position to to get hot at the right time and and win win a, get on a good win streak and sneak into that play in tournament and gain some momentum i think really that's the x factor is essentially front office coaching staff get out of the way of this team and just let let these guys play together and hopefully health health is on their side in order to lead their development uh as far as as far as trending they're trending up i think they're getting 38 oh. wins i think essentially they're going to be in that spot 10th 10th seed potentially 9th seed uh, i think a chance to potentially sneak into the uh, uh play in tournament as far as storyline to follow I think we got to find out whether Anthony Edwards is the real deal. Mm. I was pretty tempted to put mm-hmm. him as an X factor, but I'm still not sure, sure who he like. I'm not sure if, if he has his best season, whether he'd actually make a difference in terms of wins for the overall roster. So I'm not sure if he's the real deal, but that's something to follow. I mean, he had a rough start to his rookie year. And at the end of it, there was a strong argument to make that he was the rookie of the year. But I think, uh, Ball did it longer and more consistent than Edwards, but Edwards' last 30 days were even, you can make an argument, more impressive than what Ball did. 25 points, 50% shooting, 6 rebounds, uh, and was just everywhere for for the Timberwolves. Didn't lead to many wins, but <laughs> but he was a productive player, so I think there's there's a question mark there in terms of whether Anthony Edwards can make a big jump this year similar to what we just talked about earlier with Michael Porter Jr. and what he did last year. The talent is there. It's a matter of just mm-hmm. putting it together consistently. Um, that's that's what I'm seeing in the mm-hmm. Timberwolves, Sean. What, what, what are yeah. your thoughts here? I mean, I am very excited to see Anthony Edwards play this season. I was not a huge fan of him when he first got drafted. There was this article that came out on ESPN that I, that I really – bought into about how he doesn't really care that much about (laughs) basketball you know he just doesn't seem like his heart's in the game but as the season went on I'm like this guy is a hard worker man like I don't know what that ESPN article is on about like this guy is out here every day and he he keeps put jacking up shots trying (laughs) to improve um just seems like a really good kid and then yeah over the last month you, you pointed out man like this this guy finally figured it out yeah and i'm really excited to see if he can continue this into next season and i would honestly not be surprised if he did and if he were to average 25 points a game this year i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) i have very high aspirations for this kid i think he has the potential to be the face of the league one day and i yeah it's not going to translate to a lot of wins this year. I mean, you, you have Jaden McDaniels in your starting lineup. So, I mean, Malik Beasley's fine. But, yeah, it's like as far as starting lineups go, if that's the best you can put out, that means your bench is even worse. <laughs> and so <laughs> between the three of them, like those guys are good pieces, but three players aren't a team. Mm-mm. So, yeah, this Timberwolves team is still going to struggle quite a bit, even if a lot of people want to be optimistic about – D'Angelo Russell coming back and Anthony Edwards taking another jump in his game. There's just not enough on this team. Otherwise, Patrick Beverly, he maybe he, he helps as a locker room guy. Maybe he brings some toughness to you. That really comes into play more in the playoffs, which you're not really looking at right now. And then Torian Prince, man, whenever <laughs> I think of Torian Prince, it's like, I just remember him putting up like pretty impressive numbers on the hawks like four years ago <laughs> yeah where because like i'd watch him in fantasy i'd be like who is this torian prince guy who got like 20 points eight rebounds and eight assists like what that's like those are really good numbers and he put those up really consistently because they were terrible yeah and, and then yeah and then he goes elsewhere and he doesn't do anything he goes to the Cavs, he doesn't do anything i just i don't think he'll do anything on the timberwolves and so I, I don't really know what to think of this guy. Like, it seems like he has the potential to like put up some numbers, but I, yeah, I just, I don't know what he's about. You know, <laughs> he's such a mystery. Yeah. He seemed like I thought I always saw him being sort of like a Jay Crowder type copycat type player, like a yeah, Trevor Ariza, yeah, just being a, just being a prototypical three and D guy. And during those years in Atlanta, he played that way. I mean, he shot, he shot pretty well. He shot 40% from three at his best year in 2018. But since then, he's just never come close to 
performing that way again. And uh, yeah, I think the the uh, the 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 dream of Tarian Prince, I think, or his dream, or maybe his aspiration, or my theory that he was going to be the next mm-hmm. Jay Crowder is probably over now that he finds himself on yeah. the Timberwolves. I thought he'd be a journeyman. Uh, jumping from contender to contender playing the exact same role yeah. but um yeah i think yeah he's not gonna make much of an impact here <laughs> and he just makes too much money i don't know i don't know when he got this but he's making like 15 million dollars a year right now yeah and maybe when that contract expires he'll take a, a smaller one to join a contender kind of mm-hmm. like what you're saying with a jake crowder role but yeah i'm sure he's fine riding the wave of 15 million <laughs> playing for the tim the timber pups this year <laughs> yeah yeah and I probably, but for now, I think, yeah, like everything was mentioned is the Timberwolves just don't seem to have enough outside of these three guys and they won't. And Edwards is still a development and I'm hoping for a big year from Carl Anthony Towns. I think he will, but defensive defense is still a huge question with this team. And none of these three guys are (laughs) really show signs. Not exactly known for their defense, but I, I'm going to say it right now. Anthony Edwards is going to be the number one option on this team by the end of the year. You know, it will I, not be it will not be Carl Anthony Towns. I'm so tempted to also agree with that, but ugh, by the end of this year seems so soon. But I could see it by next yeah. year. Like I could see him being the number one offensive option for mm-hmm. for for this roster as well. He 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 he's got he's shown some some flashes. He's special man. He's very special. Yeah, moving on yeah. from there, and he's grew. He grew two inches. Apparently, he grew two yeah. Inches. Apparently, he grew two yeah, inches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, six six now, man. That's a good size. That's Kobe size. That's Jordan size. That's Kobe size. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Love it. Love the comparison. Yeah. So Oklahoma City Thunder is the last team here for this division. We saved the worst for last, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we do Is that a good thing? Should we save the worst for last? <laughs> I don't know. It just seems bad to start with the Oklahoma City Thunder with this season preview. If you've made it this far into the episode, here's OKC. Yeah, you're willing to continue listening for one more team, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I just got to start off with this fact here. Like, just this is the overall story with the Oklahoma City Thunder. $50 million right now is their current team salary which is That's dead it. last with the in terms of oh in terms of you know cost of roster so essentially they paid more to buy out Kemba Walker just in the you know a month ago than they are yeah. for the whole for the you know the entire team's roster oh my gosh by the end of the next absurd. year holy crap that's that's who this so, team is yeah. <laughs> So does Kemba that they bought him out? Does that stay on their cap for this year? So like, this is it. They got a fifteen million dollar active salary team. I don't think it stays on their cap because because of the timing of when they bought him out. So what the hell are they gonna do? They they're like at half the cap space, not even. <laughs> yeah, that's not even half the cap space. It's not even close. No, and they they re-sign uh, Shea, so there is that, but. Because his contract doesn't kick in until next year, yeah. his money isn't on on their cap for now. So they yeah, he's a bargain still. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So OKC is heading with the least heading into the year with the least expensive roster in the NBA by a long <laughs> shot. So it just tells you a story oh. of what Sam Presti is expecting out of his roster. And the the additions that they got is Derek Favors, one of the more expensive contracts on the team. <laughs> The Parchers, oh Kemba Walker, Al Horford, Steve sure. Mikhailu, yeah. Tony Bradley. Um, in terms of draft picks, they got a bunch. Josh Giddy, Trey Mann at number 18. Pokes Jeremiah Sowski. Robinson with the 32nd <laughs> pick. Aaron Wiggins with the 52nd, uh, with the 55th <laughs> pick. Um, and they bring Shea, of uh. course, with that new contract at $172 million. Uh, Mike Muscala and... Um, yeah, I mean, outside of that, in terms of X factor, I can't possibly put one for this team just because of the fact that, again, they have the least um, expensive roster in the NBA. They don't have any plans to really uh, make much noise this year with their roster. So because there's no X factor, I think this team is still trending the same. 23 wins. Uh, one of the worst teams in the Western Conference, if not the worst team in the Western Conference. Um, and to me, the storyline to follow is this is a to franchise that it's hard to tell whether Sam Presti is a genius at work or he's just throwing 
and collecting as many darts as he possibly can and throwing them at the board and hoping one of these is a bullseye. Well, we know Shea Gilgis is clo- may or may not be cl- maybe close to being one. He's a great player for sure. But these other players, Darius Baisley, Lou Dor, Aleki, you know, Polchelski, Pol- Pol- Josh Giddy, and the 36 picks that they have over the next seven years. Who are one of the? Is, are any of these going to end up being a quality player? I gotta think some of them will be. Darius Baisley showed some signs. You know, Lou Dort is a knockdown three point shooter and defender, but he makes some boneheaded plays at times. And somehow he is one of the few players who can shoot forty percent from three, but shoot under forty percent from the field in general. <laughs> yeah, so. There's there's some talent there, but it's a matter of like who actually sticks around and who can actually be a piece to a to a great team, and that's something to follow along with this team. But that that's what I got for the Oklahoma City Thunder, Sean. <laughs> Any objections? Uh, I, not really. I would say I think your win total is too high. Still, <laughs> this team is designed to lose and lose hard and lose fast. They only added Derek Favors. That was it. And they drafted a, a bunch of guys that aren't going to matter. And, and maybe Josh Giddy is something, but I know a lot of people are very uh, confused at why they picked him at number six. They thought there was a lot better prospects on the board. Maybe, you know, maybe that's some Sam Presti magic. He might know something we don't. But other than that, just Derek Favors, really? I mean... This, this lineup is designed to fail. I mean, Al Horford was actually a big piece for them, like winning a lot of games at the beginning of the season last year, so much so that they had to bench him and bench <laughs> Shea. So, uh, and maybe Shea is able to, to make strides this year and, and get them to that 23-win total, but I have to think that everyone, players, coaches, they're all on board with, we know we're not supposed to win this year or any year soon. Mm-hmm. Shea got his money, so they're like, "Hey, we gave you a max contract. Hopefully, that keeps you happy. You won't have to play that hard, though. Like, actually, can you just not play hard at all? Or maybe we just won't play you at all." Yeah. And he gets to collect his thirty-something million dollars a year while they continue to build the team. It it sure ain't happening this year, though. I would not be surprised if this was like a thirteen-win team this year. <laughs> and I, I know we said that we said that worst. last year. Yeah. Worst ever in potentially history, yeah. in history. I, I think there was a broadcast team that won like eight or nine games though, so may, maybe that's a little out of uh, out of question there. But this team, everyone knows they're trying to lose and trying to get better draft picks. And I think Shea's gonna swallow his pride for at least this year and be like, you know, that's fine. I'm gonna just try to get mine. You know, I'll score a bunch. I'll, I'll put up some good stats. I just don't see anyone else on this team really doing much. Yeah. Worst team, 2011 Bobcats with a 10% winning percentage. There it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what their actual win-loss record was, but 10% in an 82-game season is essentially under 10 games. So yep. that would be – I don't think they're – well, maybe they could be that bad, but – <laughs> that would be a new low. I think Shea, uh, Shea is better than anyone that was on that Bobcats team by a lot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I th- 13 wins. I, I, it feels wins. low, but, like, I just – there's no path to victory for this team. I mean, they traded away one of the guys that was helping them get wins, and they didn't bring in anybody worth mentioning. So, yeah, this is <laughs> – throw away year. This, this is going to be the worst team in the league. And they're, they're going to make sure of it this year. <laughs> well, 13 wins. That would be something else. Um, you, know, you know what's crazy? Like, they have the cheapest salary of anyone in the league. I bet they're not even a profitable team. Like, no one's gonna, so? no one's going to go to these games. True. Like, no one's going to care about... Like, they're completely in shambles. Like, Thunder fans know. It, it's like the process 76ers. No yeah. one's going to go to these games. No one's going to care about the team until they actually make a move to make it look like they actually care about winning. So, yeah, yeah like even though they're saving all this money, there's no way they're making it back, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like this is a small market team with nothing to show. <laughs> it's a bad combination. Yeah, I agree and 
that's why this this you know tanking just seems like such a bad business move but we'll see i mean 50 million dollars is still a lot of money and you yeah you probably can't make that back or maybe you do just break even barely by you know i'm pretty sure steph curry makes 50 million by himself (laughs) i'm pretty sure (laughs) and if he doesn't it's he's really close and he will in in at least a year or two when his extensions start to really pile up yeah so well there we go okc and the entire Northwest division. Clearly, you know our thoughts. Our thoughts around the better team is the Jazz, Nuggets, Blazers, Timberwolves, and Thunder. Clearly, being one of the bottom teams. But to close it off, Sean, you added this note here. <laughs> you- <sighs> yeah did you did you see this, Alan? Did you see Kawhi? Make his guest appearance in Drake's new music video. <laughs> I'm actually watching it right now. I had yeah. seen the memes, but I hadn't, I actually didn't know where it was from. I thought it was maybe like a, a New Balance commercial. But I, just, <laughs> I didn't realize it was actually from a Drake yeah. song. Yeah, not a bad guess. Yeah, song from his from his new album. Uh, obviously, that's that's been a lot of hype in the in the music industry lately. Is Kanye <laughs> dropping his album? Drake dropping his album? And, yeah, uh, put out the official music video for the song "I'm Too Sexy," and you got Kawhi Leonard dancing in the desert, <laughs> and it is as awkward as you would expect it to be, and it, it it's exactly what I would expect from Kawhi making a cameo in in a crazy ultra platinum music video. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I'm, I watched it with the sound off. And it looks so awkward. Oh, like, yeah. And, and the dance moves are so basic. And, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, do you oh, think Kawhi could really Kawhi. do any more than that? He's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't programmed advanced dance moves into him. But, yeah, I guess yeah, they still got love from their Toronto days. So he's able to get him in that music video. <laughs> yeah. I'm whether, whether, whether Kawhi wanted to be there or Drake asked him as a favor, I'm not really sure. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I can't tell if Kawhi wants to be there or not. <laughs> That's a that's a that's a good point. I was gonna bring up. I wonder if this is something to do with the fact that he has he has no urgency to get ready for another NBA here, and he's just <laughs> kind of just exploring things. I don't yeah. know. Well, Since he's gonna I'm, be I'm glad and- that I'm glad the dance move wasn't too complex because yeah, he's still healing. You know, I don't want him doing anything crazy out there. You can just you know stand there swaying with your hand and making movements. You know, that's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, there you have it. We won't always end our podcast talking about Kawhi Leonard's dance moves, but <laughs> if there's a reason to, we'll do it. Um, but <laughs> yes, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. That was the Northwest Division preview. Uh, next week, we're going back east. Um, division to break down, TBD, you, or unless you got one on this off the top of your head, Sean. No, I don't even remember the names of the divisions till we look it up, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do one of the two. <laughs> yeah, to be determined, but we're going back east for the next episode. But we'll keep breaking down each division until we head to the start of the new NBA season. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.